I want to welcome everyone to the first in a series of podcasts where the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying, NCEES, highlights the work of licensed professionals within the engineering and surveying fields. I'm your host, Davey McDowell, Chief Operating Officer of NCEES and a licensed engineer in the state of South Carolina. We hope to showcase how professional engineers and surveyors help protect the health, safety, and welfare of the public. Today, we focus on engineering. Speaking of the public, if you were to ask the general public what an engineer does or who they are, you'll get a variety of answers. Some are going to say they're good in math, know how to fix things, know how things work. Maybe they like Star Wars or they play with Legos. I'm sure you can come up with others. But in reality, engineers may be those things, but they're more. Engineers are creators, they're thinkers. They make our lives better, they make our lives easier and more efficient. Most importantly, though, the professional engineers of the world put the health, safety, and welfare of the public in front of everything else, so that as we drive across a bridge or go into a building, drink a sip of water, a professional engineer was thinking of me when he or she made that design. We take a lot of things professional engineers do for granted, and today we are lucky to have one of those engineers with us. I'm super excited to have Kevin Edwards on with me today. Kevin is the Chief Diversity and Inclusion Officer at Bechtel, and today we'll be discussing the importance of diversifying the engineering workforce of the future. Another reason we love Kevin so much is because he is a professional engineer. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Let's jump right in. You know, for me as an engineer and you know, getting ready to take my son to college on Monday, who's going to enter into the engineering world, um, or at least that academia piece to get into industry. Um, it's, it's highly important for companies like ourselves to be engaged in at least making future engineers aware or giving them the opportunity to kind of understand what it's like to think about the things that we think about as engineers. Tell, tell me a little bit about your background and, and a little bit about uh, the role that you play at Bechtel, probably previous to your assignment now, but the role that you play now and how you got to where you are today. It wasn't really easy for me growing up a uh, single parent, um, really struggling uh, from a, uh, a demographic standpoint in a poor community and that type of thing. So it was w- when you really made it from the communities that I grew up in, um, it was really a success story. But you know, I always had a vision and I always aspired to kind of do something great. I didn't really have you know significant role models. The passion was there. Um, I knew I, I had the skill set. I was I was striving in in uh, high school and particular uh, college prep classes. Um, excited about math. I remember taking um, algebra in the fifth grade. Um, I remember a funny story. Um, we had a, a guest uh, lecturer that came in during that year from California, was teaching us algebra and how many students at fourth grade are getting algebra, right? You know, you're thinking about middle school when you get that. And I remember testing so well and doing things so great at a very quick speed that generally if we had a test, I was done in 10, 15 minutes. And so my teacher would say, Hey, can you go get me lunch? And you'll think about that now being able to leave off of a campus and go walk down the street and go get some lunch and come back. That generally doesn't happen in high school. So I had some excitement from that. And, and, uh, in high school with a lot of my friends whose parents were professionals and PhDs and doctors and engineers. Um, I had somewhat of a role model from that perspective, but it wasn't grounded with me at home. Um, so I went to college and, and I actually got a, a full financial aid ride. Um, I had to go to a bridge program ahead of time because at that point, 
Um, one of the things I didn't realize then that I realize now is the university did not expect me to be successful. So they said, hey, we want you to go to this bridge program and we want you to demonstrate to us that you can be successful in this area before we really decide that we uh, are going to support you financially and academically to be part of Rutgers University's College of Engineering back then, now School of Engineering. Um, and so I took the challenge and it wasn't too exciting to me because, of course, it was taking me away from being um, home um, with my friends. Uh, in my last summer before starting college after high school. Um, but I did extremely well and I knew what I wanted. I was gifted. My, my view was there. Um, and as that continued and as I started going through the space and working and, and becoming an engineer and doing things of engineering, I started recognizing that those challenges um, as a diverse engineer was really present for me. And I started recognizing that. And as I it became an engineer at Bechtel Corporation and now 20 years later, I have seen other patterns in regards to, you know, there wasn't a um, um, an absolute uh, um agreement or an absolute um, feeling that, hey, there was a trust in me and they realized from day one that I can do things. So I was always challenged. I always had to go prove something to somebody before they actually accepted that I was the right candidate for whatever opportunity or job. And because of that, um, I started really, you know, doing things to make sure that other diverse talent like me um, could uh, um, bring um, individuals along the way and give them some encouragement and some guidance and um, some kind of uh, motivation and uh, mentoring and coaching along the way. So I started doing that and I started you know, extending some of that efforts into what we were doing to attract diverse talent through Rutgers University, my, my alma mater and some other universities. And I started demonstrating to the organization that um, I could be successful in that and I can help the organization build in that capability. Um, and because I actually understood exactly what it took to be successful, where at the, at the collegiate level versus even at the organizational level, um, they trusted me and six in, and really, you know, selected me to kind of help lead them. And so a couple of years ago, I got into the, uh, the role of um, a global manager of DNI, and as a result uh, of that, I started getting the organization ready to go down the road. We weren't really going as fast as we wanted to. The commitment was there, and then some decisions happened, and of course, things happened with George Floyd and, and his uh, untimely uh, death and, and things that happened in regards to him being killed. And our organization has made a significant shift and has really now elevated the, the DNI role. Myself, my team, I'm, I've grown from a standpoint of a, a team organization going up to about eight people, whereas before it was two of us. I'm now reporting to our president, COO. Um, and now I'm at a different level of the organization where I really have not only a seat at the table, but my voice is considered for multiple things. Um, and so that that competency and that trust um, and that ability to, to um, for our executives to really understand um, that I um, could lead our organization in this way was was really a, a great uh, reward in, in some way to kind of demonstrate that, uh, you know, some of the things I had been doing to really help talent like myself, um, who actually didn't have some of the uh, key steps or key things that some of us as privileged have, were able to kind of uh, make some uh, inroads in regards to making progress. So that really is how it all stemmed, uh, Davey, from a standpoint of getting me in the position to help our organization. The diversification of the workforce is, is obviously important. Um, the more diverse group of folks that you have working for you and working with you just brings in a, a, a lot of different ideas from a lot of different perspectives. What challenges, other challenges have you had during your career? 
Yeah, very good questions. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot to be said about uh, correlating, you know, how important it is to have a diverse workforce and, and what does that mean to us as a uh, as our culture um, in, in enhancing our culture, as well as what does it do to us in regards to from a business perspective, right? Um, you know, I was just actually on a call um, today as, as we've started to uh, uh, um, creating steering committees in particular uh, segments of our organization. Um, one in, one in, in particular, um, our project controls group has created a steering committee and they were going through their vision today about what is it that we're looking for. And, and there was a lot of discussion about, you know, the business performance piece um, versus doing the right thing for our colleagues. Um, and, and it was interesting to hear the collaboration, right? That's a key piece in regards to them getting there. I didn't really want to inject myself uh, initially because I really felt that they, as an as a leadership in an organization and a key piece of our organization, could really figure it out. But we actually had uh, one of our colleagues who actually is um, is uh, is an LGBTQ. Um, colleague who represents that way um, and really stood out and um, was very um, eloquent, uh, eloquently uh, put it that, uh, hey, we're really doing this not really because of a business perspective. The outcomes that will happen as a result of us becoming more collaborative and really respecting each other's differences, and I think it's important to do that, um, are, are the things that really are going to help organizations like Beck become more baked and become more inclusive and become more accepting. The world is changing, Davey, from a standpoint of what we're going to look like in 2025. The demographics of the um, the dominant groups are shifting. Um, you know, a lot of our key subject matter experts in engineering are retiring, and we need to start fostering a, a backlog and a pipeline of some great talent and young talent. And that talent is not going to look like we have traditionally looked over the last 25, 50 years. And so we've got to get ready to be able to kind of um, – um, have a different mindset to be more accepting of talent that doesn't necessarily look like you, however, has the same instincts and grit and passion and hunger to be great engineers or great uh, STEM-related fields um, or, or majors in particular STEM-related fields because not only do we really employ only engineers, we employ other uh, degreed uh, individuals as well. So it's important to do that. So business performance is an outcome. It doesn't necessarily need to be the driver of why you do it. You really want to bring talent along and allow them to be able to understand that they have a fair opportunity to advance in an organization. Um, and we, as, as an industry, have to really provide examples of how, what good looks like, right? As I said, you know, industry, the population is changing. Our boards need to look different. Our leadership needs to look different. If you're going to become an employer of choice, you have to change your branding um, and those type of things. And I will tell you, um, <laughs> COVID has put a, a different piece in regards to me being able to be engaged in an orientation that we're used to. We didn't really get that this year from my son, who's actually going to go to Virginia Tech for engineering. But I do remember a couple of years ago, my daughter is not an engineer, but she's actually in medical school now. Um, so she has stuck with the sciences, which is a good thing. She just never could adapt uh, to uh, mastering that math. And she was like, dad, I'm one and done or whatever my minimum was. But I remember when she had a white coat ceremony, when they actually just started year one of medical school. And I remember the dean of the medical school doing something which I had never seen before, Davey, relative to what you and I saw. Look to the left, look to the right. Somebody's not going to be there. 
the dean of the medical school said, look to the left, look to the right, help each other be successful. So that way you all will be the ones walking on the stage graduating in four years. And I thought that was amazing. And I think some universities are starting to get that. There is some work that we still have to do to bring Uh, to change the mindsets of our academia, professors, deans, associate deans, advisors along the way to help them. Um, Because I think there is some things that become second nature and some things others have to work to. What we talk about in our organization is you've got the, you do some awareness and you've got individuals that come along right away. They're advocates. You've got people who are like, need to become a little bit more aware first before I get to the left. And then you have your rejectors. And so the more we can work on you know, persuasion and, and educating and making others aware in regards to what they have to do, the better we'll be. The investment is worth it. Um, what we will see in the long term will be a workplace that obviously is more inclusive, that's actually making a greater impact to our communities. Um, we're actually bringing the communities along the way. We have representation in communities we work with. We're not just in and out. We're building a long-term future for the world at a global entity. And uh, our organization is just uh, one step in regards to um, helping that uh, come, come to fruition. That's great. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. So tell me a little bit about your journey towards becoming a professional engineer and um, what it meant to you and uh, how you encourage, I guess, others that you are a mentor to now, how you encourage them to become a professional engineer. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great question. I tell you, I I don't know about you, Davey, but I was in the dark when I went to school, you know, graduating in the the late 80s um, as an engineer with a degree. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I missed it or maybe it just wasn't there. You know, I think schools have done a great job now of incorporating um, that actual um, engineering training or fundamentals engineering, however we call it now, um, concept into the actual uh, curriculum. We didn't have that. Or again, maybe I just missed it, but we didn't have that. Um, And so, you know, I didn't really understand what it meant to focus on getting the basic piece done, which is what now, as we're speaking to students at the university level and so forth, the one big thing we say is, let me encourage and mentor you to make sure that before you step off this campus or shortly thereafter, you've taken your fundamentals of engineering exam um, and you've gotten that behind you because the, the, the level of competency that you have or the curriculum that you just um, went through over a four-year period is best to then translate that competency to an exam right then and there. Don't wait. For me, and I don't know about you, but for me, um, that didn't happen until four years or so or prior to I was ready to go sit for the PE exam. I just didn't have that role model or somebody to really coach me to do that. And so that was a significant lesson learned for me to be able to then think about what I learned over a four-year period and kind of how did I put that back into um, um, my my mindset to be able to now sit and take an exam that was focusing on the things that we did over a four-year period in college. So I got past that, that hurdle. I got over that hurdle, right? But there was a lesson learned from that standpoint that I then encourage others. I will tell you, a lot of uh, colleagues that I mentor um, or individuals that I run across that are engineers and looking that way, we're always trying to encourage them to do what they need to do to get themselves ready for to be able to sit for the P exam, of course, after they've, they've passed the fundamentals. 
um, and then making sure they've got the right assignments or how they're navigating through their careers, at least within the first four or five years to get that experience. And how do they position themselves to make sure that they um, are accepted into being able to sit for the exam and then going through that? Um, and, you know, that's a challenge in itself. And then where should I go sit? You know, should I go sit in my home state? Should I do multiple states? You know, that the new system that we have in place and um, the application process can allow you to really sit for multiple ones or at least reciprocity was a big issue back then where you got one state and do I have to apply for all these other states? So now we got a great system in place through NCWES to do that. Um, but we're constantly encouraging our students to make sure that they um, um, really forge a path or have a roadmap and a plan to kind of think about that, but to make sure that within year one, they've, they've gone through and passed the fundamentals. You know, for, for me, you know, I've actually used my, my license on, on behalf of Bechtel Corporation and signing design drawings and things like that, um, utilizing that as a means to help our organization. Um, and even if I didn't have the ability to do that, Davey, I, you, for me, you know, clinching that, that, prize or, or achieving that, that piece in regards to being recognized as a professional engineer was, was, was a game changer for me, something that I knew I wanted to achieve and aspire to. And I think it's important um, as, as in the industry and as, as mentors or as professionals to be able to encourage as many students as possible to get that, even now that we know you know, consulting companies and financial companies are really seeking out engineers. Uh, there's something about building a foundation as an engineer that you can really leverage to, to translate to multiple industries. It doesn't necessarily have to be an engineering industry. It could be a financial industry, it could be banking, could be a management industry, but even just still achieving that, regardless if you're not going to do formal engineering related work, um, is something that I think we all should uh, strive for and achieve. And I think we've got to continue to encourage individuals to do that uh, and set them up to be successful. Once you became licensed as an engineer, and you, you talked about how you had sealed some drawings and done some work, obviously, for Bechtel, what types of job assignments, I guess, did it lead into? And was there one that really kind of stands out to you as, oh, that was, um, uh, that was just really fun or was really cool or super interesting or super complex? Well, you know, interesting. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I even thought about it that way until you just asked the question. But, you know, I will tell you when I started with Bechtel Corporation as a as a project engineer and we were doing telecommunications work and, and you know, we had um, architectural engineering subcontractors working for us and doing the, the, the most of the designing. You know, we decided from a competitive perspective that uh, we could uh, do some of this designing ourselves. We can self-perform some of this work ourselves, um, and that meant that uh, we can manage our profit and loss a little bit more because uh, now we were doing it in-house, and we just had to have the right structure in place and the resources to help do that. So I saw that as a, as a challenge for us as a manager to be able to make sure that at the end of the day when I'm signing something, it really gave me an opportunity to really look at, does this make sense um, as a design and is it constructible? And I think what happened is it put me in the mindset that um, as I've actually been mentoring other um, college students as well as they think about it, as you take curriculum um, in the academia, academia area and what you learned in college, 
how do you translate that? So I think the importance of being guest lecturers from an industry to collegiate spaces helps students kind of understand what is it that they can do with the actual the degree that they are getting and how do they translate to working. And the same thing happened for me uh, at, at work when I started designing and having a team that was designing and I was the actual the uh, licensee who was signing. It got me into a different perspective of really thinking about the work that we were doing. Um, and it allowed me to translate. So when I became a field engineer or project field engineer, and I was actually managing the construction of the work on a rail job, it really got me into a perspective of, you know, are we actually doing this work out in the field based on how it was designed and how we were permitted from a design perspective? And so that translation allowed me to kind of evolve from a standpoint of an EPC mindset. When we designed something, did we really think about the material that we needed to do that? Was it the right material? Did we spec the right material? And it became full circle in a big picture perspective, almost like a system engineering standpoint. Um, and so that really helped from a from a, a, a mindset of thinking uh, broader than just design. A lot of our colleagues in this space as an engineer put their head down and just think engineering and don't think about the other customers that they're serving, right? So as we talk about from a Six Sigma perspective, there's a supplier with some input and there's a process step and there's an output and there's a customer. So if you're designing drawings and you're handing those drawings over to someone as a customer, is that something that they're going to be able to take? And is there something constructible for them to do it? Would the supplier be able to buy what you need? Have you actually identified to certain things too? Is there ambiguity that's in these drawings that somebody couldn't? So you got to think about all of those things. And as we've had interns going through different perspectives, it's been great to allow them to have the evolution of the job from an EPC standpoint. And maybe they're designing one summer, the next summer they're in the field and they're working on the scheduling piece or the, or the supplier or procurement piece bringing that home from a holistic perspective was was enlightening. So it helped me become a little bit more aware of the bigger picture. And I, and I think that's something that we probably need to help our collegiate space. The, the license doesn't necessarily do that from that perspective. I think now the licenses are structured in a way that it is a subject matter based on you know, what you want to get your license on and where you want to be a subject matter expert. Of course, that wasn't for me back then. And for me, we didn't have many evolutions. And I graduated as an industrial engineer with environment engineer master's. And at the time when I was taking my PE, none of those curriculum courses was available from a license standpoint. So then I had to go sit and test for a, a civil structural exam. And I was like teaching myself all over. But I think it sets us up to really understand from a core competency, what is it that we're going to lean on? But I think as, as engineers, we've got to have a broader window and view in regards to the bigger, bigger perspective and uh, start thinking about something broader than just we as engineers, what we have to do. If you had to say, here's some, uh, I don't know, challenges or opportunities that we need to put forth to our engineers of the future, do you have a, uh, not necessarily a ready-made list, but what are some ideas? What are some challenges that are out there for, our, for the future of the engineering workforce? Well, you know, interesting. I haven't really thought about that, although my son is leaving Monday to go to school and him, I have, him and I have talked in regards to, say, his challenges in regards to being a freshman. You know, some of the challenges that our students have is the lack of opportunities to really understand practical experience, right? Um, so I think that's a challenge. And how do you really set yourself up to really get an opportunity? Doesn't have to be the best or the biggest opportunity, but how do we actually as an industry leverage giving as many 
future engineers the opportunity to experience something. And I talk about co-ops and internships and that type of thing, you know, and I speak from a standpoint of I never had any of those. Um, and I think it really um, um, limited my ability to gain the perfect, and perfect is with quotes, perfect opportunity after college. I didn't actually, you know, if I would change something, maybe I would, but I went in a different path in gaining uh, work experience because at the end of the day, I wanted to get a job, but it wasn't the job that really aligned with the degree that I got. And I think that translated into not having the experience. So we got to be able to equip them to make sure that they can get some of the opportunities to help them understand how to translate what it is they expect to do because they may want to change and they don't know, right? And it may take longer. I think the other thing that we need to do is build some leadership while our engineering students are in school. One of the things I've been encouraging students is to think about from a standpoint of building that portfolio. If you think about your resume, um, what is it that you need to do? There's the academia, academic piece or academia in regards to the courses you take, and you have to build that at some level. Um, organization is going to say, I'm looking for XYZ by this year, and so you got to accomplish that. How are you engaged in the community at school? Are you just an individual that's worked on, that's, that's focused on schoolwork, and that's it? Is there research projects or, or organizations that you're engaged with and getting them more aware of things that are happening and more experience? So some of the things I've said to my son is engage yourself with the community and build your broader branding from a standpoint of what engineer looks like, because it's going to help you make more decisive choices relative to the functional area you want to go in. I changed my major from mechanical to industrial. I found industrial to be my sweet spot. I didn't actually get a job in industrial after, so it kind of didn't align with where I was going. But, you know, making sure that you're actually going down the path that you truly want to one enjoy, you have passion about, and you really connect the dots with to have some success is important. Um, and so the more you can engage in different activity design opportunities, engaging with research and those type of things, I think we need to make sure that uh, future engineers understand the importance of being engaged in multiple things and not just thinking about coursework because I think with that um, you know broader perspective insights as well as getting some internships and sometimes what I've learned through my daughter even in medical school some of her internships were not paid internships and I know some some underrepresented students need to fulfill more of a financial piece but I think we got to make sure we encourage students that any opportunity is better than none and sometimes you won't be able to get the experience that's going to allow you to be able to have that financial freedom that you need or financial uh, uh, capability that you need to, sus to sustain having some opportunities along the way and support what you need to support for school. But there are opportunities out there that you can engage with that don't necessarily correlate to dollars. And, and the more that we can speak to our students about that, encourage them to really navigate through uh, different opportunities and choices will allow them to be a better engineer at the, in the long run. Easier said than done. <laughs> yes, it is. Easier said than done. However, I do uh, completely agree of the importance of, of those attributes of, of an engineer at the, at the end of the day and obviously at the end of a, a college career. Kevin, I, again, I just want to thank you for joining us today. I mean, the, the work that you're doing is in, is incredibly important, and I think it is it is really timely. I want to thank you for for the time. Obviously, wish you uh, wish you well in the future. And I really cannot think of any better way to to kick off a, a podcast series 
uh, like NCEES is uh, with this one. And so thank you for joining and uh, best wishes. Thank you. No problem, Davey. You know, we've got a great space in regards to making sure our engineers have a bright future. So uh, there's a lot out there for them to be engaged with. So glad to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Please take a minute and leave us a review. Five-star review would be nice. This simple action helps others like yourself find and share this podcast.